Hello everyone, it's Chris here from the In The Saddle podcast. Now in this episode, we have got a special interview as Paul Callahan spoke to former jockey and now part of Equine Productions, Nathan Horrocks. It was a great interview. Nathan talks about uh, his career in racing, how he uh, came to be a jockey, and then he talks about how he stepped out of uh, the saddle and moved into the world of film and how he set up Equine Productions. But before I hand over to Paul and Nathan, just want to say, please remember to subscribe to us, whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on, whether it's Apple, Spotify or SoundCloud, please remember to rate and review. And if you want to follow us on social media, the place to do so is on Twitter, where our handle is at in the saddle pod. But enough of me waffling on, I'll hand you over now to Paul and Nathan, and I hope you enjoy this podcast. Well, you're very welcome along to the latest edition of the, the In The Saddle podcast. This is something a little bit different um, this week, and we're joined by former jockey, co-founder of Jockey Cam, Nathan Horrocks. Nathan, thanks very much for, for taking the time for joining us. No, thank you, Paul, and uh, and thanks for having me on. It's uh, like, you know, it's been great, uh, you know, if anything's come out of, out of lockdown, it's these uh, podcasts that have been... Uh, that people have been able to jump on and talk about racing and and what they do in racing and also uh, you know where the where the sport's going because uh, as as we all know it's uh, the sport is becoming a you know a world sport now and uh, you know I'm I'm out here in uh, in Kentucky at the moment uh, get, gearing up and getting ready for the my first Kentucky Derby so it's uh, it's very exciting to uh, to be here in Kentucky and also being on the show. Yeah, we'll come to that later on in the show. But first of all, you started off as a as a jockey, and how did your career? How did you end up getting interested? Well, it, through my father, really. My my, my dad was a uh, was a successful flat jockey. Um, he, he you know he was uh, successful in the north as an apprentice, and then got offered a a job in in Hong Kong, uh, and then went from there to uh, to Kenya. In the seventies, Kenya was quite a quite a hot spot in the in, in our winters back here in in the well in the UK I should say is uh, um, a lot of jockeys would go to Kenya to ride and um, and I was living there with him and, and returned to England uh, when when I was five years old but um, I was never really bitten by the uh, the racing bug at an early age I kind of found it a little bit um, how can I say you know a bit, a bit bit boring you know it wasn't it wasn't something that was really kind of uh, you know, lighting my switch, I was kind of into counterculture sports like skating and you know BMX sports and stuff like that. So um, and I, and I, I didn't really feel that, that racing had anything to offer me. So um, at the age of sixteen, I remember my dad bringing me in to the house and watching the Breeders' Cup for the first time, and uh, and that's why I first saw Arazi win the nineteen ninety one uh, Breeders' Cup Juvenile and uh, and the razzmatazz of the American you know sport broadcast. How that was all uh, all come across on the TV screen really sort of lit something in me, and um, and then I immediately uh, at 16 years old went down to uh, George Moore's and, and and got a job in job in racing and was and I was mucking out from from that from that uh, next week onwards really, and and that's where I was kind of bit by the by the bug of the sport really, which was the key thing was the uh, love of the horse because once I started working with the you know with the thoroughbred, that's where I would uh, the, the love of the sport would come in. Yeah. You- You'd need it, like you, you. You talk about the passion and the love of the sport. You, you certainly wouldn't be doing it for for the money. Like for every Tony McKay, Richard Johnson, Brian Hughes, 
Harry Skelton, the guys that are making a few quid and, you know, sitting in the top five or ten, there's a lot a lot of guys down the, the bottom that would, or even mid-table, that would be struggling to, to make ends meet. That's true, that's true. And and, and, and funny enough, Paul, it's, um, it, you know, it, 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 it's bringing me on to you know, something. I've, I've made my first... Uh, First drama this year, which is uh, which is a film about about that really about the struggles of of, of what jockeys uh, kind of go through and uh, you know those those percentages that you're talking about the guys that are that are struggling to get by and and, and what those um, struggles have um, on on their mental health you know and and, and on the health of, of, of people around them as well you know because it is a it is a tough tough sport and uh, there's only there's only a few of us that, that make any make any money out of it it's it's uh but we are very lucky to be working within a you know within this sport and um and if we can make a living um you know it's it, it it's it's a great way of uh you know it's a great way of uh, living your life and, and and what's great about this sport is, is is how how far and wide you can travel i mean you know riding a thoroughbred i often tell younger people coming into the sport you have a skill that can literally get you around the world and until they actually hear that from somebody, they, they don't really contemplate it. So, you know, there's there's many avenues you can go down in the spot, and uh, and it, it's great they can uh, can pay you back. Absolutely, and for yourself, Nathan, you mentioned you started off in racing with George Moore in Midland. Where did it go from there? Well, from there, I um, I then went to a guy called Chris Thornton who. Um, who installed some great values in in myself in my you know my young self you know as as, as young lads are when they first start out in their life they think they know it all and uh, and think they can conquer the world because they've uh, you know because of the confidence they sometimes have but uh, Chris Thornton definitely kept me very grounded and taught me taught me some great you know great some life great life skills and um, and then I started off with him as a conditional jockey and then later left him um, and then went on to uh, Mickey Hammond. Uh, who's who's still a very successful trainer in the north, and um, spent uh, I think four or five years with with Mickey and and and, and rode just over sixty winners, and uh, and then then it came to the point where I wasn't really in love with uh, with being a jockey. I think that's something that that really needs to come across. It's because it's such a tough sport and such a demanding sport. You've got to love it one hundred and ten percent. And I didn't, and I kind of had a other other passions and other loves that I wanted to, uh, you know, to there was a scratch I wanted to itch. So I then stopped being a jump jockey um, for a number of reasons. I didn't like hospital food, um, so <laughs> so I so I didn't want to uh, I didn't want to spend any more time in the hospital, and um, and uh, also you know I just wanted to like I said I wanted to, there was lots of lots of passions I wanted to follow, and uh, and one of them was uh, was film. And uh, and that's then how uh, Equine Productions then started to uh, was 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 basically a, an idea in my head, but was didn't have the skill set to to go and do it because I never trained in in camera work and it was just an idea and uh, and then in, you know in 20, 2012 when when the internet was kind of still in its infancy but but YouTube was starting to become a a, a big thing you know that's when I started you know I bought my first digital camera learned how to use it and learned bought a cheap editing you know suite and did it on my laptop and, and that's kind of where things started really and um, and then it's led me down to this path where I am now. You were lucky enough you had maybe you had interest or you had you had developing passions filming you mentioned there outside racing but you, you mentioned you were in Mickey Hammond's you rode roughly around around sixty winners. 
how long was that transition period or how long was the, the period in your at what point did you think this isn't working out how, how it planned um it it, it was a it's probably like a couple of years i was you know there was a point where i think it was myself and joe tizard where um were, were battling out for the conditional jockeys title at one point and i you know i really thought i was gonna you know you know in your head you you, you know i wanted to go for it and um, you're there. yeah yeah you're thereabouts and you're thinking oh i've got to have a chance here do you know what i mean but um you know joe joe was um was 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 was, was lucky enough to have paul nichols behind him at the time and, and and then you know went streets ahead i think i'd ridden 30 30 winners that season which was which was quite a lot of winners for that uh, at that yeah. time you know and um yeah no it was, it was an exciting time but um but then for some reason i just kind of it, it was it was something i just kind of started falling out of love with you know with the hardship of of, of of uh of being a jockey and and mickey hammond and myself kind of weren't really seeing eye to eye and uh, there was other conditionals kind of coming into the yard and and i was finding i was struggling to uh kind of um deal with that mentally and and uh you know so because some you know some jockeys can deal with it really well and, and and i just wasn't built for that uh for that type of uh you know that type of sport i suppose you know and um and like i said I, my passion then started to, to flow into other things and 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 then that's when i knew you know you, you're either in it 110 percent or you you need to you need to step away so uh, as soon as i started to have visions of, of doing something else i knew it was time to uh hang up the saddle and hang up the boots and, and, and do something else and during that transition period from from kind of race riding from mickey hammonds to tech wine productions moving on to jockey cam you had a brief spell you rode out i met you first at right now at mark johnson's and you then went to the spell right now as oliver sherwood's where you, you teamed up with, with the great manny clouds that's right yeah no um it, yeah i mean you, you mentioned mark johnson i mean that was another um another real you know light switching moment for me really because mark was you know a bit of a pioneer really you know he was doing things very very differently to how you know mickey hammond and chris Thornton were doing things you know he, he you know it was many trainers train in a very similar way now you know we don't have uh back then you know you didn't have yard managers you didn't have people just that just took horses racing you know you did your four you know, uh, you know, you'd, you'd muck your four out, then you'd ride your four out, and then you would go off racing, you know, to take your horse racing. But, you know, Mark kind of designed this this way of, uh, you know, as, I suppose how many other other businesses have, have, have developed. And um, and I think that was one thing I learned from him was, you know, is, is, is how to man-manage, but in a, in, a, in a good or a bad way, because there were some things I disagreed with Mark, and, he, and he'll laugh about it now, but there's lots of things I did agree with the way he's, he's done things, and we were we were lucky enough to tell that great story about him, um, you know, becoming the, the record breaker that he is now, and uh, you know, made that film about him um, a couple of years ago, and it was it was great to great to put that together. It's funny you mentioned that because like the, the business aspect of it, because that was one thing that I picked up on when I walked in. The first morning I, I went in at just before six in the morning and I seen all the, the board, the names on the board and what have you, and I thought, gee, like, you know, how would you know what's going on here? But the place just ran like clockwork and the staff where everyone's pulling, you say you didn't maybe agree with everything, but you did agree with most. But even though you mightn't agree with something that, that was done, you still done it because you, you everyone was pulling the one way. You're all rolling the one way and like the staff each each had their own set of clothing with their names on it and that was something i hadn't hadn't seen before little a little detail but something that that meant a lot like you had your own identity 
you were Mark Johnson, your name was on the jacket and you were there to do a job, like even if, if it was just, I suppose maybe my way of describing it as well, even if you were just trotting the horse up, you had to do it, you had to do it well. Oh, exactly. You know, and um, you know, there was many things that he, he he was the first at. You know, he was the first to have a you know uh, a strap line, always trying. And a lot of people got a little bit, little bit, uh, you know, oh, what are you trying to say that nobody else is trying. No, but what he was saying was, you know, we're always trying, and and that's from everybody. We're always trying to do our best, and I definitely bought in, you know, bought into that, um, and many others did too. And um, it's still great that I've still got a great relationship with Mark and Deirdre and. And, and and many of the, the team that are still there, which which goes hand in hand, because there's still a lot of people there that were that, that were there when I was there, you know, many years ago. And um, like, if anything, he, 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 one famous thing he kind of said in that film was, and it kind of struck me was um, there was a point where he was contemplating unpacking him because things were getting tough, and there was a light bulb moment for him where someone said, you know, about the McDonald's story, and he said, if you go into McDonald's. Are they all different everywhere the world in, in anywhere in the world you go? Are they all different or are they all the same? And he said, They're all the same. He said, Yeah, because the system is that good, you cannot get it wrong. So that was his big light bulb moment. He built a system that works for him and his team. And that's uh, that's one thing I, I kind of took from there really. It's 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 to try and come up with the system rather than just trying to achieve the job. Moving on from there, you talk about equine productions and how, how did that come about you had a passion for film and you had an itch at a time where camera phones the smartphones were really only starting to take over yeah that's right and um and, and also I, I i found that racing was kind of kind of regurgitating itself really and 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 not really taking advantage of of technology and different camera angles and I'm a big extreme sports fan, so I was watching lots of you know snowboard movies and you know uh, uh, you know surf films, and I was looking at how they were doing things, and I was and I was thinking to myself, if I can replace the surfer, the snowboarder, with a horse and rider, I it will still look cool and engaging, and and that's my whole point really of, of why my production started. It was to try and engage a new, fresh, younger audience because we need to replace. You know the fans that that are already in existence and we need to replace them at some point so what way can we do that and that's one thing where i was very lucky enough to meet up with my two business partners uh, sam fleet and dave james where these guys had the skill sets of, of of storytelling but also how to you know how to use these cameras and uh, and that's where equine productions was born really in 2012 and uh, you know i remember us trying to pitch this idea to uh, a number of trainers you need a you need a website video and they were like why why do I need a website video and where am I going to show it? <laughs> and and it was, you know, I was thinking, right, they don't even know about how why how far and wide that this this footage can can be spread and shown because they hadn't even thought about how in the internet is a a way of sharing, you know, whether it be what you're about or, you know, your business. Um and it was and it was a great way of actually you know getting that stuff out there so uh, in its infancy it was it was a quite a hard sell but once we'd done them first few uh, videos and people could actually physically see what we were doing then we started doing you know commercials for channel four we, i think we were the first ones that um, that did the first ever commercial for frankel uh leading up to one of his uh, races at, uh, at york um you know which was a big thing for us you know it was uh, we were very excited that, that was happening but then also um, lots of things that we've we've done in you know done in the past. We're making documentaries on like so you mentioned earlier on many clouds uh, and then Mark Johnson. So it's it's storytelling 
and using the uh, skill sets of, uh, of technology and different cameras and uh, and basically putting putting something out there that people can consume in a in a great way and uh, and also share it and and spread this uh, spread this great sport across the world and we're going to come on now to the the drama you mentioned your your film and tell us a little more about that yeah so um it was a uh, it was an idea i had about four or five well it, maybe four years ago it was um you know i str- struggled with my own mental health you know about about four years ago and uh and, you know went, went through a bit of a bit of a dark uh, a dark patch myself and um you know managed to get help and and uh, at that time for me, james banks who was a good friend of mine was sleeping on sleeping on my couch you know many fridays saturday nights and i could see you know something something going wrong with him and, and he and i had some you know kind of kind of dark conversations and um and through that um came this idea of, of trying to tell the story of, of what a rider go through, goes through after a bad day at the office, whether it be a fall or getting beat on a horse or whatever it may be. And um, and what I wanted to do was, was, was and I'm not a writer, you know, my, my English teacher at school would be laughing his head off now if he heard me talking about this, but I, I'd written a script. And um, Rod Street, who's uh, who runs uh, Great British Racing for us, uh, I, I approached him about this this script that I, that I kind of regurgitated from my brain, and um, and he said, "Look, you know, I think you should speak to Robert Bathurst, who's a really really big uh, racing fan, who's famed from Cold Feet and, and Downton Abbey." Um, so I passed the script on to him, and um, he said, "I'd love to work on this with you. There's a few things I'd like to help help add and and help you co-direct this if we can get it funded." And um, and I, it, we kind of was left on the shelf for a while, and then obviously we uh, unfortunately lost James and, and and Liam in the same year, and it and it and it gave me the you know the kick up the backside really then to go and do something with it. So I um, I approached a few people about getting it funded, and and, and uh, the PGA promised to give me some money to make it, and another uh, charity called the Even Keel um, Foundation. Uh, they they give me some money and then and then I approached uh, the Peter O'Sullivan uh, Foundation. Nigel Payne read the scripts and and said, "How do we get this done? You know, what do you need?" So uh, Nigel then found the rest of the money that we needed and uh, and and helped us get this thing made. So uh, I came back in December of last year. Uh, Robert and I filmed um, this this drama and we used a great couple of actors because there's, there's only actual two actors you see in the film because it's about the car journey home. Um, but um, Daniel Thrace, who plays Tom, our character, our main character in it, and um, he 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 was he was absolutely uh, absolutely amazing in uh, portraying a jockey because I think jockeys are a certain they have a certain way of moving and talking and acting, uh, you know. So it was going through that uh, process of uh, the audition process <laughs> was quite hard because it's you know not everybody can look and act like a jockey whereas daniel really kind of encapsulated that and um, and and has done a, a great job of uh, telling telling the story that we want to tell and we're we're hoping to uh, release that in in october but you're going to be seeing some some stuff in the, in the next few weeks where we're going to be starting promoting the, uh, you know the film and it's going to be entered into some film festivals and and stuff like that so it's uh, we're excited to get this uh, get this film out there and hopefully spread some awareness about what our uh, what our athletes are going through because it also touches on on the abuse that they these guys get through through uh, text messages and, and and social media social media posts which is something that we really should be uh, trying to stop 
yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. Um, just on the on the back of that, I think the laws need to be need to be changed, need to be strict. I think there needs to be some sort of an identity, a passport or a driver's license or something to, to show. You know, if you, if you can abuse somebody directly on on social media, and then that account is blocked, well, you, you, there's nothing stopping you from just opening up another account and going at it again. I do agree with that. That needs to be. You know, you can't open a, a bank. You can't open a bank account without having some sort, some form of, of identification. And I think it should be the same for for social media. Like that, that was something that we never had to to deal with, thankfully. No, uh, it, it it isn't. And um, you know, I've you know making this film, I've you know we we we've used actual tweets and 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 text messages that were sent to jockeys within the film, and. Um, some of them are, are, are just disgusting. I mean, when I wrote the script using some of those text messages, my wife read it and she was like, it's a little far-fetched what people are saying, you know, do you need, do you need to add real ones? And I went, they are real text messages. And she couldn't believe it. You know, no. she's not from a racing background. So, and she, she just couldn't believe that people could be so vile because of the result. And, um, and I think that's something we really, really need to have a conversation about and hold not only the people that are sending this stuff accountable, but also the platforms accountable. You know they should, um, you know, vet these, um, like you say, these people that are actually opening these accounts, and um, and if they are uh, abusing people, um, they should be, have their accounts uh, shut down. And uh, it, it's it's just as simple as that because we, you know, it, it the the job is hard enough in any walk of life. I'm not just saying jockeys. I'm just saying in life in 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 general. You know. If we can, if we're allowed to abuse people behind, you know, to hide behind, you know, a social media post, it's, it's, you know, that that is a very cruel world that we're going to be living in in the next few years. Yeah, and it's, it's, I suppose it's sad on them individuals. Like they, they, they can just say what they like, and it's probably their life, and it, it probably goes to show that they have very little going on, but in their own lives, and they'll move on to the next person. But say a person why that they've just said something to. Five hours later, that could still easily be be taken over in your head. Going, you know, you'd be you'd be building up to something that it's not. Well, yeah, exactly. And I think one thing we've got to remember is, you know, a lot of these these um, just going back to the, you know, the, the reason why I've made the film. What I, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to show what you know that the public that that sports people are, 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 are normal humans, but I'm using the narrative of the jockey to tell this to tell this story. Um, and they're generally like young people, so they haven't been given the life skills yet to deal with this stuff. So there's lots of stuff in the balance here. You know, we've we've we've, we've got to be a bit kinder to our sports stars. And, and yes, I know it's tough when you've had a bet on a horse and, and it gets beaten, and you want to blame the jockey, but you've just got to be careful with your words and your actions because that can then set precedent for that person for the rest of their you know rest of their days, and they they take that home with them. And that's what I'm trying to show in this film that that. You know they are normal people. They are have normal lives, but this stuff can be very, very serious to them when you uh, when you you know when you abuse them like this. Um, I suppose on the same theme, maybe I want to touch on you said yourself in your transition periods from from race riding to to getting into equine productions. You had a, you had an itch, you wanted to scratch it, but you didn't have the skills. How important is this for a, a jockey or any sportsman to to keep? upskilling i think the the perception in england has changed somewhat that it's acceptable now to be talking to jets i got that feeling when i left england um 
give or take 10 years ago I think here in Ireland I don't think that perception has changed quite yet I think if, if somebody is, is seen talking to is looking for career guidance I think the, the thoughts are generally that that person could be thinking of calling it a day from my own experience it's the best thing. I wish I'd done when I'm in I'm broadcasting the boil sports but I'm, I'm in my third year of, of getting a, a bachelor's degree in business and it's something I wish I had done uh, to do maybe 10 years ago and I don't wish I wouldn't have changed anything because I wouldn't be the person I am today but I maybe wish I was a little bit more mature or a little bit wiser now than what I was maybe 12 15 years ago and just stop even dealing with owners or dealing with, with trainers and what have you and seeing it from their perspective which I can now but at the time I couldn't maybe it's it's time and, and life experience and maturing that that maybe give us that but I do think that that upskilling has, has certainly helped that my perception on things as well would you agree with that or what's your thoughts on that now? no absolutely Paul and, and you know congratulations on you on 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 on, on doing you know your masters and and, and sure. also that 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 journey that you've been on and like you say it's um is it there's a there's a phobia of when in the weighing room if you're looking to, to to start looking at other skill sets it's like oh his mind's not on the job you know or her mind's not on the job and um you know the job in hand and they're not taking it as seriously as they should do but no i think it's the opposite it, you're adding more strings to your bow you know it's um it's it's important that you're constantly um improving in life isn't it do you know what i mean it's like anything any any job you do if you're if you're adding, you know, adding more skill sets to, to what you're doing i think it can only help you know it's uh, jets do a fantastic job and of, of helping um our athletes on that transition period but also that should be some sort of transition period that like you say should start earlier uh to help them even in their job that they're doing whether it be like this talking you know, talk just physically talking to somebody you know, you'd, you'd be surprised at how many people can't communicate properly, uh, you know, whether it be talking to an owner or a trainer. Well, if you were given that skill set, you know, or, or helped with that skill set at 16, you know, how, how, how better of a, a communicator you're going to be at, you know, at 21, 22 later on in life, you know, when you're, when you're going to be needing to do, you know, more work with, um, you know, with the media or talking to owners or the public. You know, it helps you sell the sport even more. So it's, if anything, you know, should be adding these skill sets to yourself. The other thing is, you know, jockeys are, are all um, freelancers, if you think about it. They're all a bit a single business. So they need to be treating themselves as a business, thinking of themselves as athletes. But a lot of them didn't, you know, especially when you and I were, you know, were riding. And um, and um, I think it's important that... Um, you know this continues, and I and I hope you know Ireland and and also you know it, it's the same here in America. It's it, it, some jockeys are finding that transition hard to be going from stop being a jockey because that's all they know to something else. So I think it's important that that education period starts earlier. Yeah, and that's I suppose that's your advice, to any young jockey or indeed current any jockey that no matter what age or what what part of their career they're at, that it's just to maybe continuously upskill and, and add strings to, to that boat. Well, exactly. And I, th I think what the, 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 the downside is, is that we, you know, we see only a couple of avenues for when we pack in riding. It's either, a, you know, a, a trainer, a head lad, assistant trainer, you know, that they're the kind of like the, the, 
the main jobs that we're looking at but you forget you know the skill set you that you that you get as, as being a jockey you know you're incredibly hard working you used to traveling you know you used to hard hard hours you know it's these things are just kind of installed in you you have a great work ethic you know being a jockey and then you also you know the, the knowledge of working within the sports there's many avenues you can go down whether it be working in media you know working on race courses you know um you know within the race course industry you know there's the betting industry that we can go into there's there's many avenues that we can um, that we can then try and try you know um the transition from being a jockey to then something else and uh, i think it's important that we uh, we understand that and before we leave the, the jockey path what were your career highlights now? well i mean i've had many you know kind of you know i had some great times riding winners and stuff like that and in um you know, there was a horse I was I was involved with uh, when, when I was riding a horse called Patras, uh, who, who gave me a, who gave me a, uh, many many few winners. I think I I think I rode about five six winners on him, and, and I was lucky enough then to go to ride in the Coral Cup, and it was a complete disaster. It was had blinkers on first time. I got run off with going to going to the second hurdle. Um, you know, I think it was the only time I've ever seen a horse keen in the Coral Cup because you know how quick they go in that race. And um, but um, from then. Um, I suppose there wasn't many, many huge highlights in my riding career, but um, being involved at Mark Johnson's riding great horses like Attraction, you know, Shamadal, um, you know, Fruits of Love, they were great. But, you know, the, the big one, the big tick for me was just being involved with Many Clouds. He was, uh, you know, not only great to be involved with him as, you know, as, 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 as a as a successful racehorse, but um, he, he literally did put me and our company on the map when we launched Jockey Cam in 2015, when we used it for the first time in the Grand National, and then he went and won. And won. I mean, it was just, you know, if Carlsberg did adverts for, uh, for, 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 you know, for uh, cameras, it was, uh, it was, that was definitely the one that uh, put us on the map. And um, it was just a great journey with him. And, and you know, I was lucky enough to tell that, uh, tell that story of his life in, in, in the people's house that people can find uh, on YouTube, um, you know, about his, about his life. And that then we went and took that to the uh, New York film festival and, uh, and, and it, and it won, the, won the award. So it was, it was a, that was a great highlight for me, just that whole journey with him, uh, uh, getting, getting, you know, getting to spend some time with him and, and, and some, and Oliver Sherwood. Yeah. And for that, we was great stuff. And for that, like we thank you. Moving on to, you mentioned Jockey Cam is now launched, it's, it's on the stage and we're looking ahead to the 147th running of the, the Kentucky Derby. You're there already, you're, you're setting up, you have a busy day ahead of you. What can we expect? Well, I mean, it's exciting that we're going to be here for the first time. We've been coming to America since 2017. We first did Jockey Cam out here uh, at the Breeders' Cup at Delmar. Uh, which is actually going to be at Delmar again this year. So we're excited yeah. we're going to be heading back there again. But uh, it's the first time we've done the, the the Derby, as they call it over here, um, and um, excited to be working with NBC Sports again, who we've worked with in the past. Um, we're going to be covering the Oaks on the Friday, as well as the uh, as well as the uh, Derby on the on the Saturday. But we're going to be doing a lot of the undercard as well. So I think we've got seventeen races to cover with two cameras in each race. <laughs> so I'm going to have our work cut out because um, I think people, you know. I can't grasp, you know, how we uh, how we deliver this, but there's a lot of infrastructure we've got to put in before the, any of this stuff can happen. So it's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of laying cable and antennas up around the track. So make sure that the live, you know, feed from the transmitter that's on the jockey's back then gets uh, relayed back to us, you know, to the NBC trucks. So there's a lot of work that goes into that. 
um, and then also rigging the riders in between each races. As you know, Paul, it's uh, you know you get around about you know in between races it's forty minutes, but you actually only get about 10, 15 minutes between jockeys changing colours, and so it's it's complete chaos in the changing room, rigging riders and taking the camera off and put it on the next rider. So it's uh, it's gonna we're gonna have our work cut out, but I'm very excited to be here, and uh, I just hope whatever we um, whoever we choose in the race who hasn't been hasn't been confirmed yet but uh, as long as the camera you know sees something and tells a story that's that's the kind of the key point really it'd be great to have it on the winner but it's about what the camera sees and um, and helps people understand that um you know what these human and equine athletes are doing is 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 incredible and uh, and and that's what jockey cams there there for really it's, it's there to show the skill set of these uh, of these athletes yeah we're really looking forward to that and the, the Kentucky Derby, Derby itself goes to post at 11.57 our time over here, Greenwich Mean Time, and just 20 runners. Have you had a, a chance to look at the, the fields yet? I, I I have. I've been trying to look at uh, look at jockeys to use because, um, <laughs> like I say, it's 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 quite hard. And um, obviously, we'd love to get it on a essential essential quality, uh, you know, which is uh, Brad Cox's uh, horse and uh, Louis Saez's. Uh, He's been approached, but we haven't had a we haven't had an answer yet. But we're hoping to uh, we're hoping to get you know get get the camera on him. If it won't be him, it'll be uh, you know be Joel Rosario or Tyler Gaffleon or Julian Leperu and many of the guys that have used it before. And uh, and once we've done that, I think uh, you know we'll uh, we're excited to see how this race plays out because I think it looks a very very open open derby. I know we've got a, I got a favourite there, but I think there's you know with the draw yesterday, I think we're going to have some exciting we're going to have an exciting race. Absolutely, Nathan. It's great stuff, and and certainly can't look for can't wait to to see what what Jockey Cam throws out and, and what the Kentucky Derby throws out on Saturday evening. Nathan, it's been a pleasure to catch up. Thanks a million. Thanks very much for your time, and we wish you all the best and every success in the future. Thank you ever so much, and uh, yeah, no, let's uh, let's hope for a nice, clean, exciting race on on Saturday, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, a big result. 